1: 15% off on
0: The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
2: Are you- are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white, pure and white in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion bright? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? Are you The soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There is power, 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 power Wonder-working power In the blood of the Lamb There is power Destroying power In the precious blood Of the Lamb Are you washed washed In the blood In the the soul Cleansing cleansing blood blood Of the Lamb Are your garments Spotless Are they white as snow Are you washed In the blood Of the Lamb Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb
1: What can God do in the life of a man or a woman who is willing to be a vessel of righteousness? What can God actually do in your life? Well, my answer is he can do as much as you're willing to let him do. It's not God who withholds from us. It's we who withhold from him. So how much can God do in your life? As much as you'll let him do. There are a number of places in Scripture where I I look with longing eyes. I look at James and John, sons of thunder, Jesus called them. Their hearts filled with rage, with bitterness. But because they walked with Jesus, and he dealt with them very kindly, they submitted themselves. We find John talking about himself, saying, I'm, I'm the one Jesus loves. Do you find yourself saying over and over, I'm the one Jesus loves? <laughs> Changes everything, doesn't it? It's not like a plaintive child saying, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, but why are you so far away from me? No, it's, I'm the one Jesus loves. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. So how much can Jesus do in the life of James and John? Well, he can remove the anger from their hearts. He can make them confess that Jesus loves them. James can go to martyrdom as the first to stand before Herod and say, I serve Jesus and be martyred. That's what Jesus could do in James' heart. We get a picture of Peter at the end of his life. Not, not the end of his life as we think of old age. Rather, Peter now has served the Lord with his wife. And extra-biblical sources in history tell us that they were crucified together. His wife was crucified first, and the record is that he was speaking words of encouragement to her: "Be strong." There is life on the other side. There is victory. And then it was his turn to be crucified. And he said, I'm not worthy of being crucified like my Lord. Crucify me upside down. That's what Jesus could do in the heart of this family, that they would suffer crucifixion for Jesus. But when I think of all of those in the scripture and wonder at what Jesus could do in their life, I have to think about a man by the name of Saul. Saul is exhibit A in my mind of what God can do in the life of a man if he is willing to submit to that. The first look we have. It's an ugly scene. We see. We see priests. We see learned men. In a rage against. This wonderful humble man Stephen. As he rebukes them for their stiff-necked, uncircumcised hearts and ears, always resisting the Holy Spirit. And instead of allowing that cutting of their heart to turn them toward the Lord, they are in a rage, and they hustle him out, and they begin to stone him to death. But stoning is hard work because they have to pick up these stones and hurl them. And so they need somewhere to lay their precious garments, their robes, their identity as important priests. The scriptures tell us they laid down their robes at the feet of a young person, a young man, a very learned young man having sat under Gamal, the great teacher. They took off their garments and they laid them at the feet of Saul. Now Saul was rabid against the way. They were not called Christians here. They were called people of the way, the path, the narrow path. That's why Bunyan does his description of Pilgrim as traveling in the narrow path, traveling the way, the way from the city of destruction all the way to the celestial city. And so there is a path, there is a way. And now, Saul is bitterly opposed to the way. And he's also a representative of the Sanhedrin, the ruling body, because he is a member of that Augusta body. And so as they are executing this man with stones, a horrible way to die, a gruesome way to die, Saul is cheering them on. He thinks they're doing something awesome for God. stephen lord jesus please receive my spirit i'm sure he didn't say it calmly i'm sure he shouted it at the top of his voice with the agony and pain of stones thudding against his body some hitting his head bloody and bruised and finally he falls to his knees he can't stand any longer he's dizzy from the stones striking him And he cries out with a loud voice, O Lord, may you not lay this sin to their charge. His heart was of utter forgiveness. That's what God can do in the heart of a man. And then the scriptures say he, he didn't die, he fell asleep. The first death is not death, it's a sleep, according to the scriptures. Now Saul was very much approving of his murder. He had participated in other murders as well. This was not the first or the last. The disciples came and took the body of Stephen, and they made, scripture says, loud lamentations over him. There was great wailing, there was great weeping in the body of Christ over this wicked action. Saul was trying to destroy the church. The ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones who walk the way. What I want you to hear at the very beginning of today's message is that the way is an honorable path. It is not a broad path. It is a narrow path. Many of you are walking away, but not the way. In fact, many of you are walking on the broad path, the broad way. Jesus said the broad way would lead to destruction, and yet most churches are constructed on the broad way, not the narrow way. All through my ministry years, I have heard that we should make the Bible relevant to people of our day. I'm not interested in making the Bible relevant to you or to this day. I'm interested in helping you be relevant to the scripture. You become relevant when you begin to walk in the way, the narrow way. He was going house to house, dragging men and women to prison where they would be tried, sentenced, and killed. Now we find Saul is burning with hatred and rage against the way. But Jesus wants to take this burning ember of fire and start a blaze for righteousness. This burning brand of fire. He wants to turn into an instrument of righteousness. Now please, I want you to hear this today. No matter where you find yourself, God can use you, but he probably cannot use you very well right now where you're at. And that's why I opened this broadcast with a question, what can God do with you? How much are you willing to let God do in your life? Are you willing to let God do what he wants to do with you? You may be in the valley of despair. You may be filled with pride and arrogance. You may be filled with anger and rage. You may be dead today. What are you willing to let Jesus do with you? So here's Saul breathing out threats and murder. These are not empty threats. These are actual threats, and his murders are real. And he asks the high priest to give him letters of authority to go to the synagogue that is in Damascus to look for people of the way, both men and women. And he wants to bring them back to Jerusalem and put them on trial and then he wants to execute them. He wants to stone them to death. He's on his way. He has an entourage. And as they're making their way just outside of Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. A flashing of the light. Now understand, he's walking in the sunlight This light had to be much brighter than the sun, or he would never have seen it. This was not a little flashlight. This was the brilliance beyond that which the sun was providing. It was so bright it causes him to fall to the ground. He is stricken down with this brilliance. And he hears this voice speaking to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, Who are you, Lord? Now, he uses the word Lord only as a term of great respect, because out of the sky is coming a voice, and a brilliant light. His eyes are shut, but his his ability is still full of sight for the light. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. I'm sure a shock went through his system like like an electric shock. It must have been the most startling thing he had ever experienced in his life because suddenly a whole transition begins to happen in his mind and his heart. He's saying, Jesus. Jesus? The Nazarene? The crucified one? Jesus? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now we're told as he recounts the story in the book of Acts. He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but you must get up and stand on your feet. Now I I appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you a minister and witness both of the things which you saw and of the things which I will reveal to you. Delivering you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the authority of Satan to God. He's being told that he was serving Satan in his rage against the way. to receive forgiveness of sins nothing more shocking could have happened to this man we find again a recounting of this experience Acts 22 verse 7 I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me Saul Saul why are you persecuting me I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. The passage in Acts 26. It's hard to kick against the goads. In other words, Jesus is saying, I've been poking you with a stick, a sharp-pointed stick like an ox. It's hard to kick against the goat, isn't it, Saul? And Saul's response to the poking of the Holy Spirit in his life is to be even more enraged against the people of the way because he is serving Satan. And Jesus is saying, I choose you as my servant. So in Acts, the ninth chapter, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but you must get up and enter into the city, and it will be told to you what you need to do. Now, most of us don't have this kind of dramatic experience. But all of us have this experience. It's just elongated over a period of time. And Jesus is interested in turning us from serving Satan as a religionist to serving the living God of heaven, to serving Jesus Christ. And he will poke us with a stick. He will make us uncomfortable. He will try to get our attention. Now that's why I opened this broadcast asking you the question, what are you willing for God to do in your life? How much can you be for the kingdom of God as much as you're willing to allow God to do in you? He wants to use you for the kingdom of God. Oh, I'm nobody. I can't do anything. I'm I'm busy with my life, Jesus. I have responsibilities. I have this. I have that. Wait a minute, how much are you willing to let God do in your life? He will do as much as you will let him do. One man said to me, you know, what am I to do? I'm, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm a righteous man. But that night he was going home to watch the baseball or the football or the the sports. He was ready to sit the evening watching his television. I can tell you right now, as long as you go home and watch your television, all God can do is poke you with a stick once in a while. All God can do is poke you with a stick once in a while, and he'll bring sickness or he'll bring something to poke you a little bit with a stick. He wants to do something in your life. But you're not sure how much you want to let God do. Because, please, if God's going to do in your life what He wants to do, you're going to have to come to an end of self, you're going to have to give up your lust after the world. Going to have to be given over to him so he can do what he wants to do. Do you think Peter would have been transformed into the man willing to be crucified upside down if he had not left his wife and his home and followed Jesus for three years, sleeping outside often, walking the dusty roads of Palestine? Do you think that? Peter could have been transformed had he stayed in his fishing business. No, he could not have been. What do you want God to do in you? He is willing to do in you as much as you're willing to let him do. One man I've tried to talk to repeatedly over the years... And he's so full of himself, all he can do is talk about himself and what he wants and what he believes. I've said to myself in the prayer closet before the Lord, Lord, is there is there any way this man can ever come to an end of himself so he can start to hear you? This man is very talented. He's very skilled. But he'll never amount to anything in the kingdom of God because he's so full of himself and so full of his ideas that he's unwilling to let God do what he wants to do in him. Now, can I be very frank with you? I've been at this a long time. And the hardest part of this journey is letting God have his way in my life. And you say, oh, pastor, what are, you, what are you talking about? It's hard. Well, it's hard to give up a good-paying job to follow Jesus. It was for me. There was a time when I was secure with my pension building and my denominational salary and my, my success and my recognition. And when God began to shape things that would strip that away, i knew it was god and he called and i followed it was hard god has done a number of things in my life that have been so excruciatingly painful i've said just just let me die jesus just let me i'm done i'm i'm finished just let me let me out of this life and instead he said, "'Follow thou me.' "'What?' "'I'm still supposed to follow you while you do this hammering on my life, and you put me in the fire, and I know I'm going to die?' "'Yes, just follow me.' "'Well, can you ease up on the fire a bit? "'Can you make it a little more comfortable?' You know, this thing's costing me every dime I ever possessed. This thing is costing me my health. This thing is costing me everything. Jesus, don't you see I'm going to die if you keep this up? Are you willing to lose your reputation? I have lost my reputation for Jesus. I don't have a reputation anymore. There's only one reputation I want now. And that's the reputation that I have become a fanatic for Jesus. I've given up everything for him. And it's not stopped, by the way. He's still demanding more. Things I have to learn. And I'm saying, Jesus, I'm too old to learn. Don't make me learn this. Yes, learn that. Are you kidding me? Isn't there some place where I can just settle down and be comfortable? No. I'm on the way. And the way doesn't lead to the old folks' home. It leads to heaven. The way doesn't lead to a, a place of prosperity and a place of recognition and a place of Security and a place of worldly recognition, the place doesn't lead there. The place it's crucifixion, upside down. Well, pastor, I'm I'm not sure I want to let Jesus do whatever he wants to do in my life. you know how utterly wicked sin is how utterly how utterly ugly sin and rebellion is to the almighty God how ugly self-sufficiency is how ugly self is to God like the young man who said to me, Pastor, I'm losing my self esteem. Good, thank you. Lose it all. What do you mean, Pastor? Aren't we supposed to have some self esteem? I'm I'm so shamed I've I've lost my self esteem. Well good. lose, lose it all. Esteem Jesus How much? are you willing to let God do in your life? How much are you willing to let God do with you for the kingdom of God? I'm looking for maybe nine or ten men or women who are willing to Give up their pride. Give up their arrogance. Give up their know-it-all attitude. Give up their judgments. Who are willing just to say, Okay, Jesus, please do in me whatever you want to do. And I'm, I'm not going to move until you move me. I'm not going to go until you send me. I'm not going to do anything that will cause me to survive. I'm going to lay it all down for you. Now, what do you want to do with me, Jesus? See, I know that revival starts with a small group of people who are willing to pray like Father Nash, who are willing to pray like Jesus prayed. A small group of people who are willing to lay it all on the line and say okay okay jesus come and do with us as a group whatever you want us to do and we'll follow you we'll wait on you we'll pray we'll we won't strive we'll just wait on you and our money's laid down our time is laid down our energy is laid down now jesus what do you want to do now this needs to happen both at an individual level and it needs to happen at a corporate level it needs to happen with you as an individual as you look and wait upon Jesus for your work your sustenance your family and then also as you lay down your life with the church where you finally are willing to say, Jesus, you're everything. You're my life. You're everything. And you're willing to say, you can do with me whatever you want to do. I give up bitterness. I give up rage. I give up being right. I'm ready to be shaped and molded by the Holy Spirit so here we have Saul confronted by Jesus the men who are traveling with him are absolutely speechless at what has happened they don't understand what the voice is saying they don't see anybody But they see their leader, their boss, laying in the dirt. And the light goes out. And they quickly go as he struggles to stand up. They help him stand up. And he slowly tries to open his eyes. But he is blind in both eyes. The light has utterly burned his retinas. He cannot see anything. They have to lead him by the hand, this proud and arrogant man who has been laid in the dust. Please may I say this very tenderly to you. Until you are willing and have been laid in the dust, God cannot use you. until you have been laid in the dust, God cannot use you. Now he laid Peter in the dust when he said, Get thou behind me, Satan. He laid Peter in the dust when he said, After you have come through the sifting that Satan has asked for, strengthen the brethren. He laid Peter in the dust when he was at that Sea of Galilee that morning. They were all out fishing. And Jesus was on shore with the fire. And he said to Peter, Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me more than these, Peter? Peter was laid in the dust. And then Peter looks over and he sees, perhaps it was John, and he says, well, what about him? And Jesus said, basically, it's none of your business. Follow me. This is not about other people. This is about you. What are you willing to let God do with you? He will lay you in the dust. He will teach you to keep your mouth shut. He will teach you to open your mouth and speak his word. He will discipline you. Hebrews the 12th chapter. He was led by the hand and he was brought into Damascus and he was blind and he couldn't eat and he couldn't drink. He had a mind that was like a trap. It was an educated mind. It was a sophisticated mind. And nothing seemed to to work in his world. He'd been raised a, a Jew of all Jews. He'd been disciplined in all the aspects of the law. He was perfect according to the outward law. All 600 commands. Suddenly his whole world was turned upside down. Paul did not volunteer to help Jesus with the work of the gospel. He was ordered to help with the work of the gospel. Now you have the opportunity of volunteering yourself. But the process is none the less painless or painful, as you're laid in the dust. There is a desert time for every man and every woman who desires to serve Jesus. There is a time of humbling before God. there is a time of turning aside from all of my self-interest, where I'm finally willing to say, "If my life is not worth something more than this wicked world." then all of it is in vain and all of it is foolishness. I must have a purpose for my life. And the purpose that Jesus gives us is to be fishers of men, not consumers of worldliness. So now he's sitting blind he is fasting, he is praying, he is crying out to God, and he's crying out to Jesus, the man he tried to kill the followers of. Suddenly, I am sure there was coming into his mind, Isaiah 63, and many other passages of Scripture speaking about what the Messiah would be. And suddenly his whole vision is cleared in the spirit realm, and he sees how this man, Jesus, fulfilled all the promises of Moses and David and all the others who spoke about a new covenant like Jeremiah. Or Amos or Malachi. He read these, he knew these Old Testament books, and suddenly he was given vision in the Spirit and he saw the Jesus of Scripture. He shall save his people from their sins. He was utterly broken and astonished at his blindness. I'm sure he also was weeping with sorrow over the wickedness of his serving Satan because now for the first time he sees that what he is doing in the name of God is for Satan and not for God. makes me tremble to think that I could be earnestly doing all that I can do to serve Jesus and in fact be serving Satan. Serving Satan is marked by accusations, condemnation, judgments, malice, dissensions. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness. The fruit of the devil is malice, bitterness, anger, judgments, separation. Those are all the fruits, the self-righteous fruits that Saul participated in. Some of you, have you participated in that? Do you see your sin? Will you repent? He sees all this. And he weeps. Now there was Ananias. (laughs) I don't know Ananias except these very few verses in Scripture, but I want to tell you. I want to talk with Ananias when I get to heaven. Ananias knew the Lord. the Lord came to him in a vision and said to him, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. Obviously, this was not the first time the Lord had spoken to him. He knew who the Lord was. He didn't have to say like Saul did, Who are you? He knew who this was. It was Jesus. It was his Lord. And the Lord said to him, Having arisen, or get up, Go to the street being called straight and inquire in the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus, Saul by name, for behold, he is praying. One of the marks that you're getting ready to let God use you is that you will be much in prayer. One of the signs that you are just into yourself is that you don't pray much anymore. According to Jesus, real prayer starts after the first hour. Could you not watch and pray for one hour? If you're into yourself, you're not very open to letting God use you. This man has been sitting now for three days not eating or drinking. He's weakened. He's thirsty. He's hurting. He's feeling utterly rejected and alone. He sees his sin. And so as he's praying, he sees a vision. Ananias, he sees... So Ananias goes into an argument with the Lord. I've heard many things concerning this man, Saul. How much evil he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And in this place, he has authority from the chief priests to bind all the ones calling on your name. But the Lord has said that he saw a man in vision, Ananias by name, having entered and having put a hand on him, that he may see again. So we have what God has said to Saul. And now we have Ananias, not wanting to obey, but arguing with Jesus. It reminds me of, of John the Baptist, he has spent his whole life preparing for the mission to open the way for Messiah. He has preached boldly everything necessary to preach to turn Israel toward the Messiah. And finally, the Messiah shows up and the scripture says he tries to deter him from being baptized. What I want you to see is that we're so full of ourselves It's hard for us to lay it all down and not think about what we think should happen. John the Baptist even tried to tell Jesus what he should do and not do. You know, I don't want to tell Jesus anymore what he should do and not do. I've done that many times in my life. I'm not going to do it anymore. Now my prayer is, Lord, what do you have? What do you want? Show me. Give me a vision if necessary, because I'm slow. Just set my feet on the right path that you could use me the way you want to use me. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I'm the least of your children. The Lord is very direct with Ananias. You must go because this man is an instrument of choice for me to carry my name before Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel for I will show him how many things it is necessary for him to for the sake of my name. That was a bone thrown to Ananias. Look, Ananias, he's going to suffer. He's not going to get away with this. He's going to suffer for my name. And oh, he did and finally laid his neck down on the chopping block and his head was cut off. And Saul suffered martyrdom for the sake of the Lord, the Lord Jesus. So Ananias went. He entered into the house. He placed his hands upon him. Now listen to what he says. Brother Saul. If this is what Jesus wants, Ananias is going to submit and say, okay, he's my brother. I don't like this man. I don't like what he's done. I think you're making a mistake, Jesus. But if you say so, he's my brother. We're so quick to judge one another and say, you're not my brother. I'm not going to walk with you. But Jesus says, this is the one I've chosen. And Ananias says, okay, I'll call him brother. Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me the one having been manifest to you on the way which you were coming, in order that you may see again and may be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He saw again, and he arose, baptized. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he received food. He regained his strength and immediately verse 20 he was preaching the Christ in the synagogues he was preaching the Messiah that he is the son of God that Jesus is the son of God Saul's not going to waste any time he's going to change You know i i have and i am repenting that it has taken me so long to let jesus do in my life what he wants to do don't fool yourself and say oh my life is over i can't do anything No, that means I'm unwilling to submit myself to Jesus to let him do in my life what he wants to do. Are you willing today to say, Jesus, do whatever you want to do in me, I submit my life. And I'm going to cut off everything of the world, everything of the flesh, and everything of the devil. I'm going to turn the television off. I'm not going to watch the movies anymore. I'm not going to fornicate anymore. I'm not going to be lustful in my heart toward women or men. I'm going to turn aside from every uncleanness. I'm going to confess before you everything that I know I have done or participated in. And I'm going to ask you to do what you want to do in me. I am going to leave all sin. There will no longer be an excuse for sin in my life. I have recently been tempted by some old things that I used to participate in that probably if I told you, you would not consider them sin. I have just said this. I would rather die before I go that way again. I'm not going to look at that violence I'm not going to listen to that violence even though it may be news I'm not going to I'm not going to click on that I'm not going to go there I'm not going to watch movies even though Christians are constantly asking oh did you see that movie and I'm stunned because some Christians will watch a movie on the life of a Christian character And that movie becomes more vital to them than the word of God is to them. And they establish their truth on that movie created probably by unclean men and women for entertainment. No, I'm not going to watch their movies. I'm not going to listen to their foolishness. I'm going to go to Jesus and I'm going to go to the word and I'm going to pray and I'm going to wait on Jesus is that the cry of your heart today how much are you willing to let God do in your life how much access will you grant him Will you cut off every unclean thing that he could have full access to your heart? Is your heart cold and dead or inflamed with fire for Jesus? Well, we're almost out of time. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. We're having a time of prayer and fellowship on Tuesday evenings at the National Prayer Chapel we're going to start praying at 630 most because of work will not get there till 730 but we're going to pray we meet at the All Saints Anglican Church it's located at 14851 Gideon Drive Woodbridge Virginia 22192 Go to our webpage, com. There you'll find all the information about where we meet, how you can come. You'll see a donate button there. You're welcome to contribute that this radio broadcast could continue on the air. How much are you willing to let God use you? Are you willing to sacrifice everything to follow Him and to help the work of the gospel? Are you one of those He's calling to be a part of a small revival group at the National Prayer Chapel? God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.